right, guys, welcome back to another episode of the Too Many Hobbies Podcast. It's been a while since we talked, and life just got pretty hectic. Um, there was a lot going on during the hunting season, and it was really hard to schedule guests. Uh, the main thing being that my kids had, uh, you know, started to go through a couple sleep regressions, and it makes it a little difficult at bedtime to uh, record these episodes, which is when I have the guests come on later in the evening. And also for myself, I record them later at night. So this one's being filmed during the day and it makes things a little bit easier, but I do want to finish off the season and there's going to be this episode. There'll be one more episode with John Wallace from Wild Game Cook that I talked about before and then uh, a season wrap up. So this episode is going to be mostly focused on the R&T filming. Um, as well as the tangle free work. Um, I pretty much solely dedicated uh, a couple weeks of hunting season for the R&T work and uh, it was some of the coolest stuff that I've been, a bit, been able to be a part of and I just wanted to come on and dedicate an episode to talking about that um, for anybody that's interested and uh, yeah we'll just get into talking about that. So before I ended up going on the R&T trip that was when I started talking to Tangle Free and um, what I had done was sent them a proposal because I wanted to start getting in touch with some of the companies that I really look up to and that I want to be a part of and the easiest way for me was to just send them an email. So <laughs> I sent them an email um, with a proposal that I had come up with. Uh, Tangle Free already has a contract for photographers and so what they did is they they countered with that contract which is to be a field pro photographer um, they also have a field pro videographer position um, I decided to go the photo route it's a little easier um, for me to get photos during hunting season than it is for me to get video because I'm doing the YouTube um, and filming that style it makes it a little easier for me to just shoot photos while I'm filming those YouTube videos. Um, obviously, when I'm traveling for r and I'm filming and taking photos as well. Um, so that video side, I kind of dedicated to filming for r and and then I wanted to have the, the photo side um, for Tangle Free. So I really kind of split it between the two. Um, right, wrong, or indifferent, that's the, the path that I chose. So I'm really excited to be part of uh, Tangle Free as a photographer. If you guys haven't listened to the Punisher Waterfall podcast that I was on and uh, guest hosted with uh, Damien for Corey uh, coming on and talking about um, some products, uh, talking about Tangle Free as a whole, uh, we alluded to <clears throat> so what the work is that people in my position with Tangle Free uh, actually take on. So it's creating content for marketing, for ads, um, and it it works out pretty well for us. Uh, we get paid per photo, we get paid per year, we get credit. It's a, it's a pretty cool setup. Um, it actually works out really nice compared to the uh, the proposal that I had sent them so it actually came back as a better offer than what I sent them which is nice on their part that they stick to that no matter how you send it to them mine was just going to be a lot more work um, for a higher cost this is a little less work for less 
money, but it's not per photo. It actually comes out about the same. So it works out nicely in my favor. Um, and so taking that position into the TV show worked out really nicely because I was able to capture a lot of content for my Tangle Free submissions while on the road with Sean and the crew for RNTV. So that was nice. We ended up uh, scheduling our first trip for RNTV was in Michigan. So we went with Great Lakes Guided Outdoors, uh, Connor Goff up there. He runs that program and uh, they took us in for a few days, let us sleep in the guest house or the guide house. Um, we actually just slept on cots. It was uh, not the fanciest thing ever, but it definitely works for what we were doing. We were hunting most of the day, uh, scouting, and then eating and basically going to bed. So it worked out really nice. Uh, the first couple days we hunted with Great Lakes Guided Outdoors. Um, we, we actually ran a veterans uh, free hunt. So what it was is we ran the three panel blinds in a field um, and then the extra spots that we had um, in the blind, we had veterans join us for free. So Connor put it out on Facebook and was able to get people to come fill the blind. Uh, it helps us because then it gets more guns on the birds that are coming in. Um, it was crowded. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. It was really crowded in that blind, but it was cool, uh, to get veterans out to hunt with us. Um, we got some good footage. We got a lot of good photos, um, sponsorship, uh, you know, ad placements for the, for the show, uh, social media content for those, for that, uh, sponsors for RNT. It worked out really nicely. Uh, Tangle Free does sponsor the TV show, which makes things astronomically easier for me uh, going into it to be able to uh, get the photos that I need. Um, it They got all the products. So the panel blind, Sean designed the panel blind for Tangle Free. So that's obviously there. We got the stools, decoys, uh, gun bags. I mean, everything you can think of they have from Tangle Free. So it makes it a little easier for me to get the content that I needed. And also for filming, um, we were able to get a lot of stuff that they needed. So worked out really nicely. We hunted fields two days in a row. Uh, the first day was much more lucrative than the second day. And uh, after the second day, we started planning a trip to Saginaw Bay. We were going from uh, basically central, west central uh, Michigan to Ontario. So we had a five-day stint that we were going to be hunting in Michigan for three days, Ontario for two days, and then coming home. So the third day was kind of our hunt slash travel day over to Ontario. And so we went to Saginaw Bay, hunted out of Sean's Express Boat. Uh, if anybody hasn't seen that boat, go check his Instagram because he's got some crazy blind that goes on that. I mean, it's, it's basically a... Uh, it's a permanent blind that he can take on and off. So it stays on the boat during hunting season. It's got blind grass all over it. It's all welded. Um, Sean's friend uh, has a fab shop. So he <laughs> he's able to, uh, to pretty much fabricate anything that he possibly needs. Phil is just a whiz when it comes to anything that needs fabricated. So he has built this incredible blind on the boat. It's essentially like a G-frame style. Like it 
you sit towards the back of it. It's higher in the back, lower in the front. Blind grass comes up, covers your face. And uh, it, uh, any birds that come close do not flare off of this. It is just an absolute unit. I'll put up a picture somewhere in, in here of it that we took um, so you guys can see it. But it is just <laughs> such a crazy looking blind. And it hides so well. But it's a 20-foot express. Uh, I think it's a 2072. Um, with a 115 Yamaha show off the back of it with a jack plate, uh, two talons that hold the boat in place, which is really cool that you don't have to necessarily put out anchors. You can just drop the talons and it doesn't sway as much as you would think. Um, it holds the boat pretty steady and it's really nice, especially if you're going to be, you know, if you sail a bird, we sailed one in Sandusky Bay that, or at Saginaw Bay that we, uh, had to unanchor the boat to go get, and it was super easy. I mean, you, drop, you pull up the talons, drive out of the spread, get the bird, drive back in the spread, drop the talons. It's just incredibly easy, and uh, it was really cool. Uh, we actually were we dropped the boat in in Saginaw Bay in this spot that it was really only about a foot and a half, two foot deep, and we couldn't get the boat on plane, so we basically had to idle in the dark and the fog for like an hour to get to the spot that we were going to and then uh we set back in the cattails uh put out a bunch of diver decoys some mallards um i don't know if we put any geese out or not but uh it it was it was quite the spread and it worked out we i think we shot six or seven birds that day nothing crazy but we were able to get some some good footage um for an episode that sean wants to do of hunting in michigan so that worked out really nicely and we got some stuff for an episode that he wants to do of Carl. I don't know if this is going to be Carl's last season or not, but there's an episode that's going to be dedicated to Carl. He just turned 11, so he's he's old, but you would never know hunting with him. I mean, that dog is an absolute unit. And he's just such a beast for as old as he is. I mean, he's a field trial champion, um, and it shows. I mean, he handles really well. He marks very well, and he just has a big motor on him. So it's really cool to watch him work. Um, we left Sandusky, or I keep saying Sandusky Bay, but it's Saginaw Bay. Um, we were actually able to get the boat on plane. We went kind of out from shore, into some deeper water, and brought it back. Um, then we headed to, uh, we actually stopped at GK Calls to pick up uh, some stuff. I've done work with Glenn and Bob over there. Um, so that was cool. And Sean's friends with them. So it was cool to see the shop. We didn't get to see them. They weren't there, but, uh, we stopped and saw the shop real quick, picked up some stuff from them and then headed on to Ontario. And, uh, we were staying in, uh, Junior's brother. So Junior films for R and TV as well. He's been friends with Sean for years. And, uh, so we stayed over there, and then Junior and I were able to tag team the filming in Michigan. It was just me, um, but then we were able to tag team the filming uh, while we were over there. And while we didn't get a ton of action, the 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 footage that we did get it was a little bit easier to do it um, with Junior focusing on the birds, me focusing on the blind and uh, the dog, and. Uh, it's definitely a lot nicer having two people for filming something like that because it can get hectic. It can get really hectic real quick. And uh, if for some reason I have a malfunction, then I know that 
there's a second camera that's able to get it. I did run a GoPro um, as a secondary camera just in case while I was filming by myself, but it's just not the same when you have a really nice camera and then you're able to subs or supplement that with another really nice camera. It makes things a little bit easier and uh, you know that you're getting some quality footage for a TV show of that caliber. So that was nice. We ended up staying, like I said, in Junior's brother's uh, barn. He built a loft inside this barn. It's all heated floor. It's radiant heat in the floor. So it was super comfortable sleeping in there. And so Sean, Phil, myself, and uh, there was different sleeping arrangements than sleeping on a cot, which was nice. But that barn was just crazy. I mean, he, he lives in there. He works out of it. It's super cool. Um, when I put the clips in the video, uh, for that, I'm going to make a separate video for YouTube of kind of the behind the scenes stuff that I did film and maybe a couple clips here and there of the hunts. Um, but it was just such a, such a cool experience that people in Canada, I mean, you're not far from where we are and it's just crazy how nice everybody is. And, uh, the accent is just, it's, it's cool that it's not super far away, but they still have a pretty thick Canadian accent. So, uh, everybody that I met there was super nice. It was really cool. Um, we hunted fields both days. This was, I think this was the first year that the clubs up on St. Clair had, uh, reinstated the baiting. So the clubs are allowed to bait legally and you could see the birds coming from, uh, basically club to club. They would go, I mean, they know where the food is and especially with the as warm as the beginning of the season was, it kept birds up there anyway. But I think that the baiting really helped stage them in Canada. And, uh, you know, even though Hudson Bay and all that stuff up there didn't freeze or is just now freezing, you know, whatever it is, January. So I, I can't, I can't remember what I saw on the map, but I mean, it stayed open and those birds didn't need to move down. It's the same thing right there in St. Clair. It was warm. They have a ton of food, and the food's ba essentially being given to them. It's not, they don't need to go foraging for anything. And uh, I think that kept a lot of birds up there, but it also kept them in the clubs while we were trying to hunt them. So basically, we were hunting as far out away from these clubs as we were legally allowed to, and then uh, setting up and just trying to convince birds to come to where we were. It was a little difficult. I mean, we put out 15 or 20 dozen decoys and uh, we were able to pull them in, but not the big groups. The big groups stayed together and made things a little more difficult. Um, the first day we hunted in a bean field and uh, I don't know if it was, it was overcast. There was also some, uh, the, the dirt that was in this bean field was dark so it probably made it a little more difficult to see the decoys but that's here nor there and then uh we i think we ended up shooting 15 or so that day and then uh the next day we went over to uh cornfield literally across the street from where we were staying and it's right by um a club and so we were allowed to hunt that that field as well and it was a cornfield um those birds were in the field behind where we were staying like two days in a row they're coming out of the the club going straight into that field and so we were essentially going to traffic them and 
that day, as luck would have it, we just, we got like four, I think. And uh, those big groups of birds just didn't come out of that club. They stayed in the club. They were hanging out in there. And uh, it made things really difficult for us. So it was a good trip overall. We got a lot of content that we can use, but just wasn't as lucrative as uh, as Sean would have liked. And he let me know that I ended up being on one of the worst trips that they've had. And uh, that kind of carried its way into the next trip. So our next trip, we ended up going to Minnesota. We went to Fergus Falls and uh, we were anticipating it being really cold there. The same time the year before, a couple years before, it was like 18 degrees hunting these geese on ice, um, snow, and when we got there, it was 60 degrees. So it made things very difficult. And as we were getting in, there was a lot of little geese that were there. And the first day that we were out, we were hunting a, a pit blind um, on a small pond. And uh, it you could see all of these geese that were getting up there going south. And so we were thinking, you know, maybe this is about the time that uh, these little geese are getting out and as luck would have it um, the little geese were getting out we didn't shoot a lot of little geese during the week we we're shooting big Canada honkers and so you could definitely tell that there was a transition happening that either those birds were starting to move in and then uh, that week that's what they were doing they were the bigger bigger birds were moving in the little birds were moving out and uh, so the first day kind of a scouting day we hunted but we were just kind of watching the pattern of the birds and just seeing like you know kind of where they were going um tried to set up under them the best that we could uh for the second day we ended up hunting another small pond um inside of a you know bunch of fields it's all it is out there it's just fields and small bodies of water so we ended up hunting this this field or this pond that uh that we had seen a lot of geese flying by and it worked out really nicely we were able to traffic a lot of birds um, I think we ended up shooting 18 or 20 that day we ended up shooting a banded goose that was really cool we had a huge wad of shovelers come in which was it was crazy it was about down 60 shovelers just come land right in the spread and uh, so we knocked a few of those down um, yeah we had we had some good footage come out of that as well um, a lot of singles doubles not big groups we shot like into two groups that were bigger than like a four pack so it wasn't anything spectacular but with the singles and the doubles working that way uh it makes it a little easier for me to film because then you, you're only focusing on like those couple birds and knowing which ones that the people are going to shoot so that was really helpful um we were able to get quite a bit from that from there we went and scouted and we found this pond um, that was just holding a ton of birds. It was like 1,500 to 2,000 geese in this pond. It was a pretty decent-sized pond. Um, and so we started talking to a couple of the outfitters that Sean knows up there, and they were telling us, that's so-and-so's pond, that's so-and-so's field, they won't let anybody hunt it, blah, blah, blah. And uh, Sean's buddy, Phil, that travels with him, is just a absolute specimen of getting uh permission for fields and and ponds so him and marty ended up going up and uh talking to not only the person that owns the pond but the field next to it. they're two separate people 
And within a half hour, they they had permission on both of them. It was just crazy. They can go and talk to anybody and get permission. And uh, it just goes to show that like being very personable and having the experience of talking to people for getting permission is very, very helpful when you're in these situations and you're traveling and you're out of state. Um, so that was really helpful. So then the second day we ended, or third day, we ended up going and uh, hunting that pond and we shot it was basically the same thing. We had singles, doubles, a couple four packs that would come in and, uh, we picked away at those. We shot about, I don't know, 18, 19, I think it was. And, uh, we were like one bird away from them passing the, the gun to me and taking the camera. So we were just close enough, but not quite. And, uh, I didn't really care if I shot or not. It was so much fun filming and taking pictures that I wasn't really too concerned about uh, about shooting, but it would have been fun. Um, it was, it was a cool pond. It was a really cool setup. We took the, the panel blinds and put them in the cattails similar to the day before. And that thing with the blind grass on it, it just disappears. That blind grass is really, really good stuff. It's synthetic. It's not, it doesn't hold water. Um, so it's really, really good. And, uh, yeah, it just made for a really, really cool hunt. And, uh, we shot some good birds. Uh, we were we were fighting some ice, which was interesting. Um, but overall, that was kind of the two big days that we had there. The third day, we were supposed to be hunting out of the boat. So we took Sean's boat all the way to Minnesota. And then uh, we met Phil there, who picked up um, Jeff, who runs some of the... It runs Game Fair with Sean um, at the booth. He's a R&T pro staff. And so he came out and was hunting with us as well. And uh, we were going to take the boat and take that to a pot or a, a lake there and uh, hunt divers. But the wind was just not right the fourth day that we were there. They kept telling us that we were going to have the right wind. It didn't pan out. So we ended up hunting the pit that we hunted the first day, just trying to get something out of there. And then we actually left from minnesota and drove to wisconsin so jeff joined us um in wisconsin and we went and hunted with the lemkes um the lemkes work with ducks unlimited pretty tightly and uh they had talked to sean at game fair and basically told him if you guys want to come hunt the the in wisconsin on the mississippi river then uh we got a place for you and we'll come out and hunt so we ended up uh, driving down there, staying with the Lemkes. Uh, their place was so cool. They have a guest house there that's all decked out in Ducks Unlimited stuff. Um, clips from that will be in the video as well. And uh, it was just a really cool place to stay. But our luck, we get there and it's still warm. Uh, there really wasn't a ton of birds around. Like we were driving around looking for birds and they weren't even staged in like certain places. So it was really difficult to get uh great hunting content there we were able to still get you know a few clips um get some some clips and photos of the decoys the boat uh calls the guns um basically everything that i could think of for sponsors i was trying to get um just while we were there and it just didn't pan out <clears throat> the way that we were really hoping but I mean, that's hunting, and that's the the hard part about 
relying on mother nature to create content is that it's the same thing with YouTube. You know, I can go out and hunt for four days and maybe get enough usable footage for like one video, or I can go out for four days and get nothing, or I can go out for four days and I can get four different full length videos for YouTube out of it. It's the same thing when we're doing this kind of stuff. So, uh, they've got ways of filling in time and using the clips, especially for like what we, what we need. Um, and to make different styles of episodes, you know, focus highlighting different products, maybe for R and T, uh, highlighting, you know, Sean's dog, certain ways of hunting. Um, you know, if they can't make a full episode out of the Minnesota stuff and the Michigan and Ontario, then I'm sure they'll use those clips for other stuff and they'll kind of, uh, use their creativeness to, <laughs> to figure out a way to, to actually utilize the footage that we used and, uh, or that we got for, the shows that they need so it's a 13 episode season uh sean and john have split it so there's a little bit more work um that sean and john need to do this year to make up for jimbo but it's uh we're making it work and we might even be filming something you know this late goose season um just to get anything else that we need i've been talking to sean so we're gonna try and make that happen and uh yeah, it was just such a cool experience, and, you know, hopefully Sean asked me back next year. Um, it'd be be really, really fun to do a couple more of these trips, and uh, I got along well with everybody. It was uh, it was really cool to to meet some new people and uh, experience some, some different places. I would probably never go to Fergus Falls by myself or go to the Minnesota or the, the Mississippi River. Um you know, just on a whim like that, that'd take way more planning. And, um, it was just kind of cool to just bounce around the country and, you know, see these different places and hunt in different spots and get the content that I did. It was a lot of fun. And, uh, I'm really excited for hopefully doing some more and, uh, yeah, but I just wanted to come on here. It's been a little while and I just want to finish out these, uh, last few episodes of the podcast. So like I said, be looking out for the next episode with John Wallace from Wild Game Cook. He's going to come on. We're going to talk about different ways to cook wild game, processing it, um, and all the cool stuff that he has going on, sharing some recipes, and uh, then I'll finish it out with a overview of the season, and that'll be, what is this, season three of the podcast? So uh, yeah, hopefully next year I can kind of plan this a little bit better. I won't have a lot of... Uh, my own personal things that get in the way and I can kind of make this a little more uh a little longer a few more episodes and yeah so thank you guys for tuning in I appreciate it be sure to check out the YouTube channel check out the videos that I've got coming um if you guys are on uh any of the streaming platforms please leave a review if you guys are on YouTube subscribe and we'll catch you guys in the next episode <laughs>